people say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends. I'm a horror host, Trav, a.k.a. The Captain Creature, and joining me, as always, is the theme queen herself, Producer Kate. Hi. And making his first appearance on the show, the legendary Brian Kirk. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I was trying to think back, like, how did we meet? Because I know... um, you lived with Weiler and Robbie and Mike, right? Is that how we met? Or no, I think we met before that because uh, Rob and I were working at Kilroy's with Mike. Okay, and I think you came in one night, and then the next day I had a random Facebook friend request from a Travis Abara, and I had to go ask Rob who is this again because I yeah. didn't remember either. So that I may- think it was before we lived together that we we had met, but then we really got to know each other once I lived with uh, your your brother. Yeah, and uh, that's Slasher Rob, as he goes by on this podcast. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was like, how the hell did we meet? And one of the things that we bonded over almost immediately was like saying movie quotes. And like, (laughs) he's like the funniest dude I've ever met in my life. Because like, like, um, I was going to tell a story like Mike Bertram, he was recently on on the Friday the 13th commentary. But we recently went to, um, what was the name of the casino in Detroit? MGM Grand. MGM Grand, yeah. Yeah. So as Brian gets more and more drunk, first of all, Brian's a movie quote guy already. But as Brian gets more and more drunk and as I get more and more drunk, we had to have been getting on Robbie's nerves because we were literally talking and like Adam Sandler and Chris Farley movie quotes. Like we would literally exclusively talk in movie quotes <laughs> and like scream quotes and shit. But I remember uh, sitting Imagine that... what you guys could do with all that brain power. Yeah, I know. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine if what I could have remembered from college yeah. with all that brain power. We first, like, kind of got to meet each other. We would, like, talk about, like, I lent you dirty work, the the wonderful, underrated Norm MacDonald comedy of the 90s. Um, and we went to see Videodrome on the big screen at the Keystone Arts Cinema, your first introduction to Cronenberg, I believe. And you were kind of like, what the fuck is this guy into or whatever. Did you Did you enjoy that? I remember you saying it was, like, weird as fuck. I'll be honest, I passed the fuck out like 30 minutes into the movie. <laughs> it, yeah, it I think like we went of, at like 11 o'clock at night, and I, I passed out. Yeah, it was so. like one of those like midnight, it was a midnight showing of a Videodrome, yeah. if you can imagine, and on the big screen. But it was a pretty cool experience. I think it was like me, you, Mike, and Rob. And, um, so you went to school here, Burbuff. You went to college where? I went to Marquette University in Milwaukee. Now, Wisconsin. was that because Chris Farley was an alumni? No, that's... Be, be honest. No, that's that's just because of where I end up with scholarships. It just so happens that Chris Farley went there. Mm-hmm. So and he played like rugby there. Or something, he did play he? rugby. If you look in uh, Tommy Boy in the first scene of the movie when he's running towards his final that he's late, he's wearing his uh, blue and gold Marquette rugby jacket. And then when you look at his test, it says Marquette University History like one hundred and one. When he writes in Herbie Hancock, when he writes in <laughs> Herbie Hancock. Yeah. So, so are you a big movie guy? I know. 
And were movies a part of your childhood? Like, I, growing up, you know? I would say, I if I'm not watching a TV show with my wife, I'm usually watching some sort of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I could rewatch some of the same movies over and over. Like, uh, for example... Um, I watched like Independence Day the other day. Like, there's just certain <laughs> movies that I can just sit down and like watch over and over and still be interested. The Big Lebowski. Oh, uh, like dude, The Big Lebowski. Like, I'm pretty sure when I lived with uh, Rob and Mike, there was one. The year we lived together, we probably watched The Big Lebowski 30 times in a year. It was like an, <laughs> a Sunday tradition for the longest time. That we would sit and watch that. I know that's one of the quotes that we would just like bust out, like sitting at the bar, like, you want a tow? I can get you a tow by three o'clock. <laughs> and like all the like women and shit around us are probably like, these guys are fucking nuts. Cause I'd be like, I'm involved in counterfeiting some money. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> fucking the Beverly Hills ninja. <laughs> but yeah, then like growing up, um, I always watch movies. That was that was my thing. I probably spent a little too much time watching movies than playing sports or no. I mean, you know, doing other stuff. Um, loved Adam Sandler movies growing up. Mm-hmm. I remember we got our first DVD player, and for Christmas I got the Adam Sandler box set, and it was Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, and then Bulletproof, which is an awful movie. It was him and Marlon Wayans, right? <laughs> yeah, where they're like DEA agents, and it's, yeah. t- it's terrible. <laughs> oh. It's awful. But uh, that's like I could sit down and watch those over and over. Not Bulletproof. Yeah, Bulletproof <laughs> suck. So what were some of your – so let's uh let's shift the show. Dial that tuner. <laughs> Lights down low. Dial the tuner to horror. So are you a horror fan? And what are some of your earliest memories of the horror genre? Like TV I, shows, I, movies, books, anything. I do. I do enjoy the horror genre. Not to the extent that some some f- people I know, including yourself. Yeah. Um, I think the earliest brush I had with horror was. Scream, and it wasn't by on purpose. We happened to be at someone's house, and the woman's daughter was watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I walked in, and I think Drew Barrymore was getting stabbed in the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, gave me nightmares forever. Like really? I would just have a nightmare and think like ghost faces chasing me. Um, as I've gotten older, I feel like I started watching more more horror movies. Um, I kind of gave up on Saw. Like oh, in, the, yeah. in the mid 2000s, those, like those aren't for everyone. <laughs> when they started, like I think it was like the third or fourth one, when the guy's like getting his arms twisted and his legs twisted in the machine. You know the one I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about? That yeah. was like that was it for me. I that that grossed me out. That was too far. Um, but I enjoy a good horror film every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I won't sit down and watch one like every day. Mm-hmm. Not like me, every every minute of every day. Yeah. So I, not like when I pull up my Facebook and I'm like, oh, Travis is watching another horror yeah. movie. <laughs> so I almost forgot, but Brian, your first gift to me was on my birthday. I think um, you came over, and that's where you meet their met their dad. Well, he got me a gimp from Pulp Fiction <laughs> oh, toy. Right. So it's right there. It's still in the box. Uh, bring out the gimp. But um, okay, so your earliest memories or encounters? We come, we gather tonight to cover the 1976 film Carrie. So Stephen King is one of those names you see it all the time with Stranger Things and stuff. People bringing them up. The reason Stranger Things exists is because of Stephen King. But what were some of your earliest encounters with the work of Stephen King? So how old are you? Like thirty? Thirty-two. 
32. You're only 32? Yeah. I thought you were older than us. No. Oh, no. No, no. Okay, so what are some of your earliest memories of the work of Stephen King, and what are some of your favorite Stephen King like films? Honestly, I have not really... If you talk about like his books, I mm-hmm. haven't read one Stephen King novel, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, never got around to it. As far as like movies go, um, you know, I think it was like probably my mid twenties when I finally got around to watching The Shining. Um, I had never seen it before then. Um, Stand by Me, great, great film. See, and a lot of people don't like forget that. He is behind like Stand by Me, the Rob Rayner film, and like Shawshank Redemption's another mm-hmm. one that like people forget about that he wrote. Stand by Me was one that I hadn't seen up until about two years ago, and like um, it actually like really fucked me up because it, it was you like ball crying. it really did, yeah. Because <laughs> like I've talked about it a couple times on here, but like the kids that I grew up with like mm-hmm. went down a wrong path, and one of them died and shit like that. So it was like it like really put me back in that place of like growing up and being nostalgic and just like looking forward to like going outside with a football. And that was like the only thing that you were doing all day. Like mm-hmm. that, that was like the simpler, better times, uh, contrary to the hellscape that we call life today. <laughs> there, there's a movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was made by the Wayne's brothers in the nineties. It was like a growing up parody of growing up in the hood movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like don't be a menace. Mm-hmm. Was, I never got the, the joke they were making when the kids are saying, Hey, you want to go see a dead body? And they walk over mm-hmm. and there's like a dead fat Elvis laying on the ground <laughs> in the movie. So I never got that reference until I had seen stand by me. And uh-huh. then it kind of all tied together. Yeah. Don't be a menace is good shit, man. Uh, <laughs> so Kate, let me go ahead and switch it over to you. What's your favorite Stephen King adaptation? Do you think now that we've covered oh. a couple here? Um, I just don't think anything beats The Shining for me yet. All right. What about so, you? Uh, Can't ask hard questions and not answer them yourself. It's got to be The Shining for me. <laughs> the Shining or uh, I think Carrie comes like top five for me, uh, but we'll get there a little bit later. But I, I think the easiest answer has got to be The Shining. I think The Shining is a fucking... I mean, it just is so good. It's so um, iconic. But I do love Carrie. I'm getting ahead of myself on uh, mm-hmm. first impressions, but this is one of my top 10 movies too. In terms of it, which one do you prefer? Do you prefer the original with Tim Curry or do you prefer the new one with um, Skarsgård? See, I prefer the new one, but I don't think that's that strong either. Like, I I like the first part, but the second part when he, like, turns into that little bubble and cries mm-hmm. and shit at the end, I'm like, ah, oh, that killed me, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you? I've only ever seen the first one, so I... I don't have anything to compare. Or the second one, I okay. don't have anything to compare it to. You never saw the miniseries? I never saw the one with Tim Curry. Every I would always walk by in the uh, library in my hometown and think mm-hmm. about renting it, but I just never sat down to do it. Are you afraid of clowns? I'm not afraid of clowns. Mm-hmm. I just never did. Because it's like, what, five hours? Yeah, it's like uh, part one was always really, really strong because that was the kids' parts and stuff. Okay. And then they got like, I can't remember who the hell they got to play the adults, but it was so fucking lame. And he turns into a big spider at the end and shit. But it's just like they didn't have the CGI or anything like that to pull it off. And it just it's just really bad, dude. Okay. Part two is. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job on the newest one. And then um, so I want to watch. I want to ask you guys what you've been watching. Um, Brian, I know you recently I'm going to see Black Phone tomorrow. Um, we're recording this on a Thursday, but. Tomorrow being a Friday, obviously. I'm going to check out Black Phone tomorrow. Uh, I want you to review Black 
phone or just give me like a one like sentence review of black phone without any spoilers did you enjoy it yeah uh my wife and i went and saw it uh i think two weeks ago we really enjoyed it um mm-hmm. it was an interesting plot uh ethan hawk did a great job playing the villain really and um it was an interesting plot the way they way they made the movie happen just the way the scenes were cut and um everyone was tied together we both mm-hmm. really enjoyed it so and that's kind of like kids main characters as well right it's like kind of like a grown up kind of thing uh so the basically the plot is there's uh you know a gentleman is uh hijacking or kidnapping kids and then murdering them and so mm-hmm. uh you're following one of the kids who's been taken and it's his experience being in Ethan Hawke's uh like entrapment basically mm-hmm. so Interesting, suspenseful stuff. Sounds like Kate. What have you been watching? Don't hate me, but there's a new season of Love Island UK. Oh, <laughs> God damn! I know you hate when I watch reality. Um, I can't help it. Uh, I gotta watch it. You uh, must. I, you must consume trash. But in the um, true crime uh, Mormon cult realm, um, like this is not true crime. It's fictional crime uh, series. Uh, it's not brand new, but it's new to me. Under the Banner of Heaven, it's on Hulu, starring Andrew Garfield. I've seen that, yeah. But yeah, he's a detective um, investigating this brutal murder and the you know LDS church and all kinds of weird sects thereof are kind of being investigating, pulled in. And it's sext like, or sect, sex? Sects. Okay. S-E-C-T-S. Okay. Um, and he is uh, also Mormon, and so it's making him question his faith and things. So, um, Good. Good series so far. I'm only a few episodes in. Don't like that Andrew Garfield. I don't like his face. Uh, I like him as a person I and as an actor. <laughs> Did you guys see the Munsters trailer? Unfortunately. <laughs> I can't. Okay, I'm glad that you both saw it. Like <laughs> It reminded me of like 60s Scooby-Doo in the sense of just how ridiculous the plot sounds. Okay, so I, I would have dug it if like I, I got that exp- like impression from it. Kate, what did you think about it? Um. It's bad. Like, <laughs> that's just my impression of the trailer. If It felt like they shot these scenes, like, almost just for the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't even feel like that could be a movie. It seems it's that, super cheap. Because it's that... Well, yeah, the costumes look cheap. The makeup looks cheap. The dialogue is cheap. Like, I don't know. It's just... I didn't like the trailer and at all. And I've been talking all. so much shit about how Rob Zombie is going to knock this out of the water and shit. And then well, I was like the I mean, Riddler and the Batman. Maybe he still will. Maybe this is just a bait and switch. And yeah. like the film won't be like it. But um, unfortunately, I feel like it might be. <laughs> I, and I was like the even w- the shots like aren't well composed yeah. in the trailer. Like there are like, a lot of tilted camera work and a lot of like really wide shots mm-hmm. of what stuff that should be closer up. And I don't know. It just felt weird and off. I was like the Riddler in the newest Batman when he was like, that was not how that was supposed to go. Because <laughs> uh, I've been like talking so much shit about how Rob Zombie is going to knock that out of the park and shit. And then I was just like, it, it was like somebody fucking like ran over my dog and me like at the same time. I don't know. Maybe maybe there will be some shred of hope that this is mm-hmm. all a ruse. Also, why does he keep giving parts to his wife? Oh. She's terrible. Don't even get us started on that. That is a running joke on yeah, the show. Yeah, she should not be. Uh, what was her name? Lily? She should not be. Lily Monster, man. Um, kind of reminds me of the female version of uh, the guy who made The Room. 
Oh, tell me what's up. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Tell me what's yeah. <laughs> we went to see that too we at Keystone Art Cinema, that. right? You know, it's sad. I bought that on Blu-ray later too. So it, I, it's I out own, on Blu-ray that's or DVD. Sad. I own it at home now. I went out and bought it afterwards. I've never watched it. It's still in the plastic packaging. <laughs> I own the room. I've introduced it to friends because it's sometimes it used to be hard to find before. Um, mm-hmm. What's his face made the, his movie about uh, it? Uh, uh, James Franco. Yeah, James yeah. Franco. <laughs> oh, Franco. What's okay. My, what's my line? What <laughs> from that from the disaster artist? What's my line? Oh yeah, like ninety <laughs> times later, he finally gets it. <laughs> okay, ladies and gents. So the movie that we're covering tonight is Carrie from nineteen seventy six. So this will be the segment of the show, Brian, where I rattle off a bunch of nonsense about this movie. Uh, directed by Brian Fucking De Palma, uh, the director of Scarface, Dressed to Kill, Body Double, Blowout, The Untouchables, Sisters, Raising Cain, and so on. Uh, the guy is an absolute pillar in the film business and is probably my personal favorite director, um, other than maybe Tarantino. Um, no, no matter the genre. Yeah. They're all like top five, whatever. Um, screenplay written by Lawrence D Cohen based on the 1974 horror novel by Stephen King, uh, score by the great Pino Donaggio. Um, don't I think is how you say it. Donaggio continued to work with De Palma after this, after this, scoring Dress to Kill, um, Body Double. Oh, and my buddy Gonzo's favorite film of all time, Body Double, I should say. Um, synopsis. Carrie White, a shy, friendless teenage girl who is sheltered by her domineering religious mother, unleashes her telekinetic powers after being humiliated by her classmates at her senior prom. This is starring Sissy Spacek as Carrie White, Piper Laurie as Margaret White, Amy Irving as Sue Snell, uh, William Catt as Tommy Ross, and John Travolta as Billy Nolan in what I believe is his first big film role. Uh, Sissy, Sissy Spacek, God, her name's hard to say. Sissy Spacek wasn't De Palma's first choice to play Carrie, but he was sold after Spacek, and this just makes me feel gross, rubbed Vaseline in her hair and left her face unwashed. And I think she put on like a seventh grade sailor costume. Like, I don't know what she was going for. Maybe just like unwell and uh, went to her audition in that outfit. And De Palma was like, sold. Um... <laughs> Several actors, actresses in the film, including Nancy Allen and Piper Laurie, saw the script as a black comedy and really played it as such. Uh, Piper Laurie thought her character was so over the top that it had to be a comedy. We'll talk about that later. Um, If I have to, like, gather my breath during this section, I went to the China Buffet just before this and, like, almost (laughs) ate myself to death. Um, The name of the high school is Bates High, a reference to Norman Bates, of course. Um, We've talked about it before, but De Palma is a super mark, super fanboy for Alfred Hitchcock. Um, In pretty much all his thriller horror films, he references Hitchcock. Um, The musical cues in this, uh, when Carrie uses her telekinesis, is the stabbing, you know, sounds from Psycho's Mm -hmm. score. Um, The rise of two masters of their craft. I thought this was a pretty interesting point. So Carrie was King's first published novel and also the first of his novels to be adapted to film. Um, There's a famous story where King wrote a manuscript of Carrie or something and thought it sucked. So he threw it away and his wife like actually got the novel out of the trash and like forced him to continue writing it, which is crazy. Um, 
De Palma had made a few films already, but it was Carey which really launched his arrival to cinema in a big way. Keep in mind this was the 70s. De Palma, alongside Scorsese, Spielberg, Roman Polanski, many others, ushered in the golden age of cinema, the 1970s. Um, bunch of great films, um, uh, masterful films, came out in the 70s. Um, during one of the early, early screenings, Stephen King went to a showing in Boston at a predominantly black theater and was nervous that the crowd couldn't care less about this white girl getting picked on and stuff. He was just like, you know, kind of like maybe going on his own prejudices or whatever. And he was like, how's this going to go? Uh, he later said that he knew that it would be a hit based on the fact that the crowd like got so, so into it. So Brian, that's where I stopped talking and I ask you what your initial reaction to Carrie is and how the hell have you never seen this movie? I guess it was growing my initial reaction to the movie. Um, I really enjoyed the film. I uh-huh. thought I didn't have a lot of high expectations going into it, uh-huh. just based off of uh, initially watching the trailer last you week. You thought I was going to have you watch some trash, didn't you? Well, based off on some other ones I've seen you seen you post and talk about, uh-huh. uh, I assumed it was not that great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just based off the, I guess I judge the book. I judge the uh, cover the book. What's the saying I'm trying to... The movie by the trailer? Mm -hmm. I judged the movie by the trailer before actually giving it a shot. So Mm -hmm. I took it at face value of it probably being low production and Mm -hmm. not great. Um, But afterwards, I really enjoyed it. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great story, great acting by all all the people. Interesting to see, like, some of the actresses I had never seen in their earlier movies, like um, the woman from RoboCop was uh, uh john travolta's girlfriend and yeah, nancy allen right yeah, yeah nancy allen so it's interesting to see like her in this movie before because i only known her from robocop mm-hmm. so i think i had forever not seen this movie it's just one of those movies that like you think you see or you you like know key scenes already like just from growing up but when you actually watch this movie it's fucking like and you get into it it's so fucking heartbreaking but that's my initial reaction. Mm-hmm. Kate, what is your initial reaction? Is this the first time you've seen this or No, I've seen this several times. Mm-hmm. I feel like I love that it like starts with blood and ends with blood. There is so much female rage <laughs> in it which in time, I also love. Yeah. In a time um, when we need female rage, right? Yeah. Um Women are especially strong um, in this, and they're the, they're the strong, they're smart, and all of the male characters, and I defy you to find one that, that isn't dumb and weak-willed, weak-minded. Whoa. Uh, there's no okay. male... There's no male... Th- and I think the blonde guy's pretty pretty good guy. Tommy is oblivious. Yeah, but I think he's, he's like... He's dumb. He's kind, though. He's. I didn't say he's not kind. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> there's not one like th- I think that's yeah. a reason why I think it stands out so much to me mm-hmm. is because I'm used to seeing so many films where it's always like the dudes are like the the leaders and the smart people and the whatever um, and even maybe the most cruel people mm-hmm. but in this film it's the opposite mm-hmm. um, but anyway I love that about it um, he kind of reminded me of uh, Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont yeah. High. <laughs> Travolta was goofy as fuck in this movie, too. Well, yeah, and I think that's kind of the point, is the guys mm-hmm. are just, like, there to be manipulated by the women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is one of the few 70s teen movies that passed the Bechdel test, too. Um, 
which so it's d- honestly rare. And if describe you, to listeners what that is. Yeah, so if you don't know what the Bechdel test is, it's a it's a test to determine whether or not a movie is super sexist or not. Um, and the bar is set so low to pass this test. Mm-hmm. So a movie that passes this test has to have at least two women in it. You'd be blown away by how many movies don't even pass that. Two women, those two women um, have to talk to each other <laughs> and they have to discuss something other than a man. Mm. I was about an to take insane, down your little test. An but... insane percentage of movies <laughs> do not pass that simple test. <laughs> that is insane. It's pathetic. It really is. But this one passes with flying colors. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those, if you're a woman and you haven't seen Carrie, you need to watch Carrie. Uh, and if you're a guy... You know, yeah, you should watch it. But, like, there's something about, like, the messages that are in it for women, especially. And I think um, keeping in mind, too, and not getting too far ahead of myself about themes. But there's, like, some generational stuff in here that is really, really messed up. And, like, because it was made in the 70s. These are teens in the 70s. I'm I'm assuming it's been supposed to be based in the 70s, too. And then we're millennials. So we're the kids of the people in these films, right? And the people who were you know, consuming this film when it was new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the perspective we have, I'm very interested to hear how that conversation goes later on about um, how people treat each other in this time and in this film. Oh, for sure. Um, I got one question for both you guys. Like, I know that people know that Carrie is good, but is Carrie as a film underrated, in your opinion? Kate, we can start with you. Is it underrated? I thought everyone. I thought everyone. See, it was like critically acclaimed, and I think did it, it is, win awards and things. But I think that like when you think Stephen King, Carrie's not always like the one that pops to mind. It's like it's almost like she's an underrated like character. I, I would agree say. with. I would agree with that. Yeah. Because um, it's I, like Pennywise, uh, Jack Torrance. Uh, you know, if you're thinking I, about Stephen King characters, it almost gets overshadowed. It does yeah, get overshadowed does. by these like. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people know Carrie and it's a spoofed a lot um, mm-hmm. and it's parodied a lot. So like it is in kind of the the lexicon. I don't know. Um, but I would agree. Like even I, when you ask me like, what are your favorite Stephen King films or what's your favorite Stephen King film? I got automatically go to The Shining. Um, and I think when I think of Stephen King films, they're all kind of male-led casts. Yeah, like Pet like, Cemetery, The Shining. Yeah, and um, I didn't. I don't even think of Carrie, even Salem's though like, Lot. yeah, it's one of my favorites. So yeah, I'd say I guess it's underrated in some ways, but I think it's also very critically acclaimed, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Brian, what do you think? I didn't even know Carrie was a Stephen King <laughs> Stephen <laughs> King uh, movie till I till I watched it. And, um, you just told me all the facts about it. Um, I guess it's hard for me to have an opinion because I, mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe it does get overshadowed by his other body of work, but also it's been so long since that movie, th- that movie came out that the people who may have thought it was popular are, you know, I don't want to say older, but less and less people who were around when that movie came out are no longer, might not be, sorry, might not be here anymore. So they're not sharing it as much well so, they remade carrie well okay right i have seen okay i have seen carrie the remake before i saw this one but I wait that's the one that we're talking about today no, I'm just 
I don't remember anything about it. I saw it in the theater and I don't remember a thing. I watched it once and that was it. I saw one trailer and was like, the Carrie chick is hot. Like, no, I'm not going to it's see like, it. It's like Red Dawn. They remade the 80s one and it was terrible. Yeah. It's kind of like Carrie. It was terrible and well, I, I forgot about isn't, it. Doesn't the new one star Chloe Grace Moretz? Mm-hmm. And like, I just don't buy her as like a girl that's bullied. She seems like the like she looks like a girl that does the bullying. You well, know what my, I mean? my problem is is that these <laughs> themes are still like relevant. Like I don't think this movie ever needs to be remade. No, you know, I think it's still relevant as ever. Um, I didn't ask you this, Brian, and I wanted to because he's a big name in cinema, and he's obviously I'm like a total mark for him, but. Are you familiar with the name Brian De Palma? Like, do you know a lot of his stuff, like Scarface and stuff like that? Uh, actually, no. Um, How dare you? I think You've never seen Scarface? I have seen Scarface. Okay. That was, uh, um, my brother bought that movie for me when I was like, I think for my 12th birthday. Awesome. And, uh, I, remember, I, I think I watched I think more kids should watch it. What re- I think the part that really traumatized me was uh, the dude getting his arm chopped off by the chainsaw. <laughs> his chainsaw in the shower. Yeah. Right as the movie started. Uh, can you list off some of his other movies? Because I. Yeah. So Dressed to Kill, uh, Body Double, which, like I said, is a particular favorite of my skeezy friend Gonzo. Um, Dressed to Kill, uh, Blowout, The Untouchables. He made the first Mission Impossible. He's like he's made a ton of shit. So I have okay. So I guess I've seen more than I. I Carlito's thought. way. That's so I've seen uh, I've seen the Untouchables and I've seen um, uh, Mission Impossible. Actually, you know, you're talking about movies that I could watch over and over. The Untouchables, I could sit down and watch right. that movie. So you got all, a little little diploma in you. Yeah. Okay, so. so Kate, let's get into this plot. Let's get into these themes. So as Kate's talking and breaking down the plot, we can kind of interject and. Like, I, I know I have questions for both of you as we get going here. Okay. So, this movie opens on uh, girls out, you know, playing volleyball in gym class. Uh, of course, it's the 70s. But uh, what I didn't realize that the, the stakes were so high for an average middle of the week PE volleyball game because Carrie misses a you know a chance to score a point or something and the girls are berating her over this they are like saying like eat shit and all this like they're so painted on the wall (laughs) yeah they're so intense and it's over that what um but anyway (laughs) so she you know this is the an, an era where girls showered after gym class you know and not not all girls do these days because gym is not as intense now as it used to be. I wrote in my notes, um, ah, I see a De Palma film starts in the shower, <laughs> as it should. Well, I mean, I don't actually think this is that skeezy, and I don't even think it's that male gazy. Like, of course it is a little bit because you're seeing her, like, rub her inner thigh or whatever. But, like, it's necessary to the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in the shower. I agree. I'm glad you... I'm glad we see eye to eye because I thought you were going to come for that scene I, for sure. There, there's not excessive, you know, tits and ass. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, all the other girls are kind of like, they've finished showering and they're getting ready and being silly in the locker room. But, she, you know, Carrie is this outcast. Um, nobody likes her. Everyone thinks she's weird. Uh, she's severely bullied. But, yeah, she's taking a shower and... She is quite advanced in age to be getting her period for the first time, but she's never gotten her period before. Uh, you don't know this right away. 
um, you find out later. But she gets her period in the shower and does not know what's going on. She, Her mom has neglected to teach her anything about her body and what happens to women. Um, and, this, and it should become as no surprise that schools didn't have sex education back then. Mm-hmm. They barely have any now. Um, but anyway, so she comes running out into the locker room, begging the girls. And she's naked and looking crazed. And she's got blood on her hands. Uh, and she is screaming for help. She thinks she's, like, dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she tells her mom later. Like, why didn't you tell me, mom? I thought I was dying. Um, and the girls viciously bully her yet again. <laughs> they're all they're, like, boo! <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, like, they're tossing her around the room. They're, like, making fun of her. They're th- and then she's, like, cowering in the corner naked. And they're throwing tampons and pads at her, like... A bunch of fucking psychopaths. Saying plug it up, right? Plug it up. Yeah, Mm -hmm. plug it up. And um, the PE teacher comes in. um, She's probably the only character who ever shows any kindness to Carrie. And she stops the girls. And this whole event sets off the full chain of events in this movie. The plot is actually very tightly written. There's not a lot of fluff or like kind of tangents in this film. Mm -hmm. Um, So from there, you're kind of seeing Carrie go throughout her day. Uh, in class and she has uh, a quick scene where Tommy he's a popular guy who dates a popular girl um, who is kind of a jock who wrote a poem for a literature class and um, that poem gets read out and while the teacher um, is also viciously mocking him in the middle of <laughs> in the middle of class about his poem. Oh, that dude Carrie, was a tool. Yeah, Carrie says, you know, that she thought the poem was beautiful. So he like is Tommy is now starting to kind of feel a little affectionate, a little kind of friendly towards Carrie, mm-hmm. uh, whereas he would have just not known really she existed otherwise. And it's important to note his girlfriend was also one of the girls that bullies her like she's one of the ones who doesn't really like step in to stop it you know didn't didn't the teacher also bully carrie for giving him a comment on his poem she um, said it was beautiful and he said something yes the lines of like yes what, the do male you, teacher what, does. what do you know what beautiful is like something like something <laughs> oh like that God. yeah he's yeah like, they're he's just always like looking down his classes and shit literally <laughs> everyone in this film with the exception of the pe teacher and she even has some cruelty in her every single person except for carrie is like viciously cruel anyway from there the pe teacher then kind of brings the consequences down on all of the girls in that class who um you know bullied carrie over the period and everything and she's like trying to appeal to their empathy which they don't have um and be like you know don't you understand this and you know she's she thought she was dying like how could you have been so mean uh and that's not working the girls are showing no remorse in fact they're like still laughing and being dicks about it pj souls from halloween so she's uh (laughs) she plays such a bitch in this movie the one with the hat on Uh, yeah yeah like these are full-on sociopaths like but you see it become so widespread like and people just kind of join this sadistic plot against Carrie, which I'll get to in a moment, mm-hmm. um, that it's so easy for them. And it's really messed up. And it's a whole theme I'm going to talk about later. But but when you're talking yeah. about like when they wrote Carrie White eats, eats <laughs> shit, mm-hmm. that was the scene when it came into the gym and the teacher was, you know, giving mm-hmm. the girls a hard time. That's when you saw the janitor like trying Cleaning to clean it, clean it off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even the 
even the fucking principal won't even bother to learn her name after she corrects him several times. Yeah, like, she calls her Cassie. No one shows this girl any love or respect or kindness. Um, also, he just completely ignores the fact of what happened to her and just writes her a pass for the week to get out of gym and go to study hall. Yeah. Not, it's not just... even address what happened. Like, <laughs> Well, the PE just... teacher addresses. Let's just, we'll get yeah, back into yeah, the class. Yeah, yeah. She addresses uh, the girls and she... Um, tells them like all of you who are involved in this you are getting your um your tickets to prom revoked you don't get to go to prom and i'm also going to bully you back in class today and make you do so much exercise that you want to barf Mm -hmm. like (laughs) which is you know eye for an eye you know not always the best kind of way to handle things but uh well at least with working them out but like taking away prom like this is what hits these girls hard um, it's all they care about. They're very vain, you know, superficial, popular girls. Um, De- definitely wouldn't fly today. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And this the, is also the time where to go to prom, you have to have a date as well. Just notable. Uh, it'll come into play in a minute. But yeah. Uh, so this is where the the plot, uh, the if you can call it a prank, it's not really a prank. It's, I don't know. It's beyond... It's like, like almost how would you just... well, it's assault, really, because the bucket ends up hitting Tommy's head, not the jump floor. <laughs> it is though, yeah. Like, if I you mean, did that shit today, like you would get. This is not really a prank. Uh, mm. This is ve- revenge, uh, mm-hmm. and it's meant to humiliate, publicly humiliate her, uh, in a way that tears down a girl who already has no self-esteem as it is um it's so messed up so their plot is and you find out and you watch them kind of developing and getting all their shit together to enact the plot against her um but basically they're pissed that they don't get to go to prom so they're going to get carrie to prom by have well tommy it's it's hard to say it feels like tommy and his girlfriend want to do right and so she kind of says, well, I can't go to prom anyway, Tommy. Why don't you go with Carrie? Um, it would make her day, and I feel better about what happened. Sue, right? Yeah. Sue's the character. And she's like, I, I'll feel, you know, that's what you're meant to believe, but you're also kind of feeling like maybe it's a, maybe it's still got evil intent. Um, but either way, the plot is get Carrie to prom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, steal the votes and fuck up the election for prom king and queen so she wins. Mm-hmm. Get her up on stage, you know, loving her life, feeling happy, and then dump a bunch of pig's blood on her. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's a callback to her getting her period. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Mark? So do you think the, like, I know the, um, what's her name? The woman's name, uh, John Travolta's girlfriend, um, Nancy Allen. Yeah. So do you think the other girls were in on the pig blood prank because i couldn't i can't remember if it was just nancy allen and john travolta that were doing it she was the ringleader because so i know john yeah. travolta uh his character is too dumb to put any to she put kept, two and she, two together she kept calling him dumb shit yeah he is a dumb shit also um, another psycho though like yeah the way like that he kills. they're displaying a relationship that's also extremely abusive on both parts emotionally because, abusive on hers and she manipulates him with a blow job to get him to I, kill a pig wow. drain its blood I, 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 I just, and then dump it on a girl an innocent girl by the way that's like, some comedy by De Palma because that scene is fucking laugh out loud funny when he's like she's going down on him and then she's just like I hate Carrie and he's just like who <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% comedy like that scene <laughs> like for sure because it's like you are such a psycho bitch you are blowing a man and like saying I hate Carrie 
Like that is so psycho. So I, I do want to say the PE teacher tries to quash, like she, she feels suspicious even when Tommy asks Carrie out and she tries to quash this from the jump. Um, but she gets convinced that they're just trying to do something nice for Carrie. And maybe these people are finding some soul in the, you know, goodness in their soul. Um, but that ends up not being the case. But regardless, there's a bunch of pivotal scenes, which I would love to get deeper into, um, in between, you know, all the school scenes and all of the, you know, evil bullies gathering all the materials to, you know, humiliate Carrie. But there's uh, a few little scenes sprinkled in of Carrie discovering her telekinetic powers. Um, like the little scene where the kid's saying like, crazy Carrie or what's he, whatever he's creepy Carrie or yeah. whatever he's calling her. And she like, she's like, run out. She like, yeah. and he fucking <laughs> she zaps him and he falls over. He's like a little brat and he falls over on his bike. I would do that um, to somebody like I do that to Rob like all the time, but she's noticing like whenever she gets mad, um, things happen. And so she's, you know, reading up about it and she realizes she has this power and stuff. And then you're also getting really pivotal scenes with her mother where you're finding out where all her trauma comes from. Uh, and why she is so strange um, and sheltered, I guess. And her mom is a religious zealot, uh, extremely abusive to her daughter, probably in every way you can think. Um, she beats her. She locks her in closets. She um, shames her about you know everything she says or does, how she looks. Um, what does she say over and over again? Throws Eve Bible was, Bible at her. Eve was something. Eve, Eve was Eve. weak. Eve was weak, and yeah. she. Uh, I just want to say, I could. Eve talk, was weak. I could right? talk. No, I could talk about this film <laughs> till I'm blue in the face because uh-huh. um, I love it so much. I just want to get this out. This whole story for all you religious people out there, you like Christians. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Brian, are you Christian? Well, everyone okay. has heard this story, the Adam and Eve story. It's referenced mm-hmm. like everywhere. And I learned this from academics who study religion mm-hmm. um, and have like they study the Bible for academic purposes. And the whole Eve ate the apple and that was her sin. And this is biblical proof women are weaker and the, like this weaker like evil sex or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's a, all a myth. Like that's not actually what it says. It's just a strategic mm-hmm. mis- misinterpretation by like proselytizers for like mm-hmm. thousands of years that has well, just I, been now people perpetuate it but because like what it really what really happened was like bang is no adam was told not to eat the apple eve mm-hmm. was not told the same thing so like the actual sin was adam not sharing his knowledge right wasn't the like so again it's all men's fault well we're talking about the bible <laughs> but like, isn't the apple just like a metaphor for sex though like isn't isn't it the apple or sin just like that they bang? Again, the point is Adam like, was told. Eve right. was Adam not. Adam was manipulated, but okay. That's fine. <laughs> no, I didn't even know there was like an apple. Like I thought the apple was just representative of like sex or something like that. I mean, and it probably is, but like, but the point is that that wasn't, sex itself wasn't the sin. Mm-hmm. The initial sin at least was that Adam didn't share his knowledge with Eve and basically that whole thing was really not consensual. She oh, didn't man. know the stakes. I'll get off my soapbox now and we can talk about Carrie. <laughs> um, so I'll get back in the plot. I'll finish out kind of the nuts and bolts of what happened. And then mm-hmm. let's talk about scenes and stuff. Okay. Like let's get deeper into some of our favorites and the, th- the things we liked and didn't like, whatever. 
And so you find, like, her mom is saying really foreboding stuff, too. Like, uh, can't suffer a witch to live or whatever. Basically saying, like, I'm going to kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she goes off to prom because she, at one point, finally tells her mom, things are going to be different around here. I'm telekinetic, bitch. And, like, I'm going to prom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she uses her powers to stop her mom from stopping her, even though her mom is, like, running her mouth the whole time, trying to, you know, shame her into not doing anything. And she says to Carrie, like, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. That's really important because it comes back later. Um, So Carrie goes to prom. Uh, She's having a lovely time with Tommy. It seems actually very sincere between her and Tommy. Um, He's having a good time. They, uh, she's really insecure and has no self-esteem, but he's like still helping her through it. And he takes her to dance and um, she's literally having the time of her life. Uh, And then, you know, the bullies steal the election and it gets announced that she and Tommy are prom king and queen. And she goes up on stage, this beautiful slow-mo shot. Again, we can talk about it more. Um, It's a long slow-mo scene, brilliant choice. Uh, And she's up there, you know, just soaking in the limelight, uh, getting crowned. And you're seeing this big bucket of pig's blood up above her head. Mm -hmm. And the bullies kind of like all getting themselves in position to enact their revenge uh and then the 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 brunette tommy's real girlfriend i forget sue sue uh sue you're kind of, she's kind of looking on and being like wow i kind of i made i made amends for my mistake mm-hmm. you know in that locker room that day and then she looks up and she sees that there's a bucket of something up there and that something's bad's going to happen the pe teacher sees her having a reaction you know, she thinks that she's involved and they're beginning pulled away, whatever. Carrie's just seeing what a you commotion. Know, a yeah, commotion. She, doesn't really uh, she doesn't really even notice it coming. Uh, and then the pig's blood drops and it covers her. And then the Tommy's like, what the hell is going on? Or like, you know, he you can tell he has a genuine like, I didn't know this was going to happen because he doesn't step away either. He gets avoid... like knocked out or killed. Yeah. So that I think bucket. that's why I'm meant, you're meant to believe that Tommy really didn't know that this yeah. was going to happen because he won. He doesn't step away. So the blood still kind of gets on him, too. And then he gets knocked out by the bucket, which I guess like <laughs> it, that bucket's. I mean, that was a pretty big metal bucket. That might be able to kill you. I don't know, from up high like that? I don't know. Um, so, anyway, from there, this is her big freak out. Uh, this is the, the scene that everybody knows. Even if you haven't seen Carrie, you know this is what happens. She gets dumped with pig's blood, um, humiliated, Like snaps. Brian did every day in <laughs> high school. <laughs> snaps, um, goes full-on telekinetic rage on the gym she locks all the doors she's spraying them people with water she's electrocuting people like oh yeah even the teacher who was nice to her because all she can see is red literally in that moment um and she just sees her smiling and laughing and thinks that she's in on it too um so no one is spared um and then all the electricity and you know the water and the decorations, everything goes up in flame. Uh, Carrie walks out. Beautiful. Right, stop. Be- hold Let's on. Leave it right there. Hold on. We could we can go back and talk about the shots. I know you okay. love that shot. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, she leaves. She locks the door back up, so everyone in that school burns except mm-hmm. for Travolta and evil blonde girl oh, who okay. chase okay. her down in the car. And Sue. Because Sue, oh, was, yes, Sue was thrown out. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sue was thrown out before. Um, good point. Uh, but anyway, uh, Sue has gone home, you know, presumably. 
Um, and or she's standing outside wondering why she can't help her friends who are she's listening to burn alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, the evil twins are trying to run Carrie down in their car because Carrie's walking down the street, middle of the street, covered in blood um, in this little slip dress. And uh, she turns around. You get that psycho sound again. And oh, she yeah. makes their car flip. She kills them, too. She goes home, gets cleaned up. It's weird. She comes home and there's candles everywhere. Uh, she thinks they, you know, maybe mom's just on another one of her weird tears. Uh, and she comes out and she's like begging her mom to hold her. And she does give her a hug, but only to stab her in the back with a huge kitchen knife. Um, and then Carrie, you know, to defend herself. But I think there's also symbolism in this uh, very and it's meant to be. Um, but she crucifies her mom with a bunch of knives, you know, telekinetically. Um, kills her mom and you know she's probably bleeding out as well she's not able to get really get out of the house her house is crumbling around her there's a lot of theme we can talk about what that means later Uh, but the house is crumbling around her um, and then you end on this scene where she's like being buried by rubble and next to her little Jesus. Yes, it was Sue. Sue, um, the dark haired one. Yeah. Um, you find out, you know, her mom just wants her to forget it all. Just again, this generation. But anyway, um, <laughs> she uh, is having PTSD. She's in a hospital somewhere having PTSD. I think about she was, I think Sue is actually at, at her, home at her parents' house because her dad was a doctor. Right. So, so she's at home. So they having were, PTSD. So they but, were being yeah. told that for her to get better to she needs to go away and just not go to any of the funerals, forget about everything. Yeah. She's young enough that she'll just forget about yeah. it one day. No, <laughs> she's not. Anyway. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Travis, but yeah, that is the plot. So yeah, the start to finish. I read that earlier because I was like, that is the creepiest looking fucking Jesus that I've ever seen. Um, but it's actually St. Sebastian. Oh, um, St. Sebastian was a martyr who refused to renounce his faith and was tied to a tree and shot with arrows. Oh. So there's some more uh, thematic. That that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, But that's creepy as fuck. I want that on my wall. Still, arms (laughs) arms out, you know, in a cross. Arms wide open. (laughs) Okay, so let's start tackling some of these themes before we get into, like, scenes and acting and stuff. So one of the themes that I, is obvious, is the bullying this is this is old school fucking seventies bullying, dude. Um, did you guys experience anything like anything like this in school, Brian? We'll go ahead and start with you. I don't think anything like remotely that bad in terms of like, you know, getting s- stuff thrown at me or like you know, um, like things being written about me, like kind of like that. It was just more of like the, like the taunting and the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like you know name calling stuff like that nothing physical i from what i can remember in high school when i first told rob i told you this when you entered uh when i first told rob that i was doing this with brian he was like oh he should relate to carrie and i was like what the fuck's that supposed to mean <laughs> i was like did he get b- blood dumped on him or what not not to that extent but like um freshman year of high school is awful mm-hmm. uh, it didn't matter like that i went to you know a smaller private school. It was still, still bad. And, um, you know, it finally kind of took like, not my gym teacher, what happened in Carrie, but it finally took like the academic and Dean to come down academic slash discipline Dean to come down and be like, 
let's cut this shit out. Like mm-hmm. we're all adults here are about to be adults. Like no need for this fucking bullshit anymore. Ninth, and then it got a little bit better after that. So ninth grade is a tough time too. You're trying to like still figure out like what scene you're in and shit like that. Cause like where I went to school, since I went to a private school, you didn't really, unless you went to like Catholic schools, you had never met these kids before. So a lot of them went to the same, um, either private schools or like Catholic schools and played in like the Catholic youth organization, like sports league. So they all knew each other. Mm-hmm. So I was coming into, you know, probably 50% of the class, at least knowing each other to some extent through other people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just find your way through school. Oh yeah. School is, school is a nightmare at times. It is. Uh, I think that's why everybody can like kind of sympathize with Carrie though. Cause everybody fucking goes through this. Mm-hmm. Whether you're on one side or the other, as uh, Kate probably was. A I bully. was not a bully. You probably were the bully in this uh, room. I only bullied. So I was on both sides. We only bullied one of our friends because his mom was hot. That was one <laughs> of the reasons why we bullied. And we used to beat him up because his mom was hot. But <laughs> so weird. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, I wasn't a bully. Um, I was actually like kind of nerdy. Um, and I didn't get pretty until probably like my junior year of high school so like in my middle school and like early high school years there was a like just you know certain groups of girls can be really cruel like certain types of girls can be really cruel and they would just you know like call you fat or make up a little name for you that you know is like their little inside joke but it's not really an inside joke you know and it just that kind of needling at your self-worth kind of Mm -hmm. stuff that's really like insidious um some of that um but not nearly to the extent of carrie and i certainly wasn't like a deeply bullied student it's funny you say that like how girl girls can be like is it fair to say girls can be especially cruel like as far as they can be uh, cruel in a psychological way um that's just different it's not any worse uh or so any more severe i don't think than how vicious male bullies can be yeah um but it's just different kind of i remember um growing up one of our buddies um i won't say his name or anything but he had a sister and they like some girls created her nickname as being like hot dog holly and like made up a story you know it's like the oldest story in the book Mm -hmm. it happens at every high school but like she was relentlessly bullied for that Mm -hmm. And it's like, it was, wasn't true at all, Yep. but like just some girls fucking made it up. I mean, that's the plot of 13 reasons why and all these, yeah, all these shows that's like still mean girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They still, you know, it's this tale as old as time. But I, I will say this like younger generations of girls growing up are being taught so much different. They're being taught to be sort of quote unquote girls, girls and to, you know, uphold their fellow girls. Um, and, you know, when they become women, we're, we're holding each other up and trying to be each other's support rather than to tear each other down. Like, you, you can take this all the way up to, like, the professional professional industries where, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of change happening um, where it's not so individualistic, which is an, another theme really to get at. Yeah, it, for us, it was mostly, like, physical stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. people would, like, people would jones on you do do they still say do the kids still say that um but we got beat up a lot like well at least i did like because for ben davis for some reason like when i was in kindergarten or maybe first grade we rode the bus with like all the way up to sixth graders 
So, like, the sixth graders would literally, like, kick us and punch us and take our shit and stuff. <laughs> like, all the time. <laughs> and uh, it's like, why do you have first and kindergartens, like, riding with sixth graders, though? But, yeah, just a lot of stories like that. Like, it all kind of stopped. I got jumped in the seventh grade. Uh, I was surrounded by, like, ten guys. And two of them just punched me in the back of the head and uh, ran as soon as we made it outside of the buses. And... uh not trying to sound like a tough guy either because I was happy that they ran off because I would have been pummeled. <laughs> but like, but no, it's like shortly after, like I gained a lot of friends and stuff and, you know, like joined sports and stuff like that. So I had like that, like kind of like a way out, but a mm-hmm. lot of people don't have that, which sucks. Yep. Um, so let's, let's dive into another theme because obviously bullying is a big one here. Uh, Kate, what did you want to bring up? I've got one that just kind of piggybacks off that. At its core is kind of looking at uh, empathy and oh, I guess the lack thereof in this film and with this generation. Um, but what I like to call cruel individualism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, this is these are teenagers in the 70s. These are this is a generation who were raised on like lead infused water lead paint (laughs) hello boomer (laughs) lead paint fumes lead covered toys like they are wrong in the head like you have to to agree yeah i mean literally everyone even the teachers and even the parents like look at carrie's mom like this is a person that a child is supposed to trust uh and feel safe with Mm -hmm. uh and supported by and even she is like viciously cruel like vicious cruelty is just at the center of this film mm-hmm. or even like sue's mom talking to carrie's mom at the beginning instead of actually like wanting to deal with her just gave her ten dollars yeah just gave her toward, some money toward, like go away towards or towards whatever cri- christian teen sex program <laughs> she was running i think you're so i think you're getting into like and i'll let you continue yeah but i think you're getting into like um kind of what makes Stephen King so great as well is that like it's the horrors of like small town America right and -hmm. it's like all of these that we're about to bring up are definitely like rooted and grounded in like a lot of America Mm -hmm. (laughs) this fucked up place that we like to live in yeah it's like this generation of people and people in this film they lack empathy like so profoundly and yet they're strangely proud of it Mm -hmm. like strangely proud of it like no remorse. Um, and it's like, uh, and they look at our generation now, and you see what they say about all of us. We're a bunch of like weaklings and snowflakes and overly sensitive. Because um, mm-hmm. look at what we endured. We're fine. Like no, you're not fine. Yeah. You're, you're blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> you're blowing up at you know a cashier at the Jam- Jamba Juice. Yeah. Um, because they didn't make your juice right, like, yeah. and getting yourself fired from your job over it. Like you're not fine. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Okay, okay karen <laughs> yeah. but uh i feel like this film uh was, even in its time was like meant to be like a warning to people this generation just like to be kinder mm-hmm. every for everyone frankly to be kinder because you never know what another person's going through so it's basically like teaching basic empathy this film um and if that doesn't if that is not enough of a reason why you should be kind um simply because you should and kindness is good I guess if that's not enough, you don't want to make someone snap and murder you. Mm-hmm. That's like, I don't know. I feel like that's just so unavoidable. And looking back now at this, at this point in time in 2022, um, as millennials, 
and seeing like, okay, these are where our parents, is that really what school was like? Is that really what life was like? Even the relationships between these teens are like violent and abusive. Um, and it's probably, was probably normalized. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a theme in and of itself in this movie is like preconditioned, like stuff, uh, preconditioned trauma and stuff like that. In this oh, movie. there's hella generational trauma yeah. uh, in this religious trauma. Um, so, which I think a lot of, a lot more people than you'd think, oh, yeah. um, kind of grow up with. Oh, for sure. I know I did. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, do you want to bring up a theme or do you have anything? It's cool if you, you don't, we can just keep on rattling off. Here. You just keep on rattling. Cause I'm listening to what you're saying. Cause I, to be honest, didn't know what to expect with this. And so I guess I didn't, I went and I just watched the movie cause you know, I had never seen That's it. Right. And so I wasn't really thinking as deep as, well, I, maybe this movie isn't meant to do any of these things, but I just overthink everything. It's just like, I think it my is. MO. Yeah. I, okay. I think it's definitely is like <laughs> my next theme, I guess would be like the, the portrayal of the Christian fundamentalists, yep. like, Kind of in this film, but also kind of like back to the Stephen King thing of small town America and how powerful that can be. The fe- the power of fear, uh, fear of God, repressed sexuality, all of this kind of ties in together. And it's kind of a very American thing because it's like we're still seeing and we're yeah. still seeing to this day, like um, in recent events, like how this these fundamental uh, groups still have kind of like a stronghold of, over this nation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I was listening to, um, the King cast. It's a Stephen King podcast. And, uh, Scott Derrickson, the director of black phone was actually on talking about this film. And he was talking, he grew up like very religious and stuff. Listen to that podcast by the way. Cause it's awesome. But, um, he was kind of talking about how it's like this very American thing of like, um, like these, like the evangelicals like always Mm. on tv like late night and like being that's one of the reasons why piper laurie doesn't really seem like she's over the top to me because she's acting just like one of those people on tv Mm -hmm. like where they're almost fainting and stuff like that and then her death is like an orgasm like and it's so fucking weird but anyway (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, that's my theme is like the, the portrayal of um, Christian fundamentalist in this small town, you know? Yeah. And you get some uh, generational trauma related to that religious, you know, fundamentalism with the mother daughter relationship. You've got um, a mother who, you know, self admittedly to her own daughter um, has her own religious childhood trauma and self hatred for having basic human urges and doing basic human things that are pleasurable like and we can talk um, about the acting too like piper laurie knocked it out of the park do we agree yeah yeah the mother yeah uh yeah because didn't she like have sex with her husband which was what conceived carrie and then they never had sex again until he got drunk the husband got drunk Um, one night I think that's she the got way pregnant. I, that's the way she, I understood I think she it. got pregnant. I think it was a premarital thing, maybe. Mm. Um, and then they got married. I don't know. It's. I wasn't paying attention to too many of the details other than that. You know, she had sex and she hated herself for it. Um, and she said that she liked it. Like, it was a consensual thing. And she, like, still hated herself because of what the Bible tells her. And, yeah, what, and, it, and what her, you know, inevitable, inevitably what her religious mother and father taught her. Um, and that's sad, like, to yeah. go back to what you were saying 
it's almost it's even sad um looking at what's her name um her mother looking at margaret it's like how the fuck did she grow up she's the one like you know she probably grew up in an even like maybe stricter environment like than what carrie is or uh, it was probably very similar it's possible she's also overcorrected and she was you know maybe not raised in quite as an abusive family but she like in her overcorrection and her delusion you know about her religion and the her bible and what what all it says like she has again like overcorrected and gone you know way more abusive and she's got more trauma i feel like the more trauma you collect and you know and pass down the harder it makes it yeah she straight um, up says like i should have killed myself or yeah, something like when i was pregnant or something so i think I what's like, powerful fuck. yeah it's messed up i think what's powerful um about carrie's arc though like because this is getting passed down to carrie too in a lot mm-hmm. of obvious ways which we'll talk about more in some of the scenes carrie in this film is finding her power um of literally and figuratively like with her telekinesis and with you know figuratively with being able to stand up for herself uh to her mother she's snuffing out her abusers and um she literally tears down the house that symbolized her kind of imprisonment her mental and physical imprisonment um and it's kind of this theatrical way of representing her rage you Mm -hmm. know uh and unfortunately all that rage and self-hatred just destroyed her in the end um which is sad it almost makes you wish she kind of got away um, mm-hmm. but I think it's much more poetic, I guess, that she goes down. So with, there are sequels to Carrie it. and a remake, but we won't talk about those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I think actually. they're okay, but yeah, this, <laughs> this first film is legendary. Um, at the end of the movie, when John Travolta and, um, Nancy Ellen, Nancy Allen are driving in the car, did John Travolta try to stop it? And Nancy Allen was the one to hit the accelerator to run over Carrie. You know, I didn't. Cause I think, jo- I think John Travolta was trying to stop it cause he didn't want to. And she was the one making him do it. Yeah. And like, um, that would follow. I, I'm pretty sure she called him a dumb shit. As well, she was- she's smacking <laughs> when they're under the stage, she's smacking him when it's all like silent, she's smacking him too. So maybe he was just like, what do we just do? Or like, cause he's a fucking idiot in this movie. Like, I don't know. Yeah. All, um, them, all the boys are. Um, so let's talk about some of our favorite scenes and stuff. Um, I think we, I think we nailed a few themes there, like to kind of give a good base. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about some of the favorite scenes. Brian, do you want to start with you? Yeah. I, I just want to comment you when you first started giving the, the, uh, plot of this movie, you were talking about the introduction scene in like the girl's locker room. And I was watching this movie with my wife and she looks at me and goes, girls locker rooms are never like this. No, that was the not. first thing she laid out. Yeah. <laughs> Not in my experience. I wasn't, you know, a teenager in the 70s. Maybe mm-hmm. they were. Uh, but I think this is a lot of what's going on with the girls, like, playfully fighting, some half naked. You know, like, that is a man's fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we see it in a bunch of slasher movies, like the, the yeah. slumber party pillow fights and shit like that. <laughs> it's like, um, one thing about the characters, um, Brian, then I'll let you talk about a scene. Just one more final point on the characters. I dig that Sue kind of has... There's a lot of gray characters in this film, including Carrie herself, um, who turns into a monster you know, mm-hmm. at the end, like literally. But Sue's another character where it's like 
she started out like bullying Carrie. And then in the end, you realize that she really did like pivot and stuff. And that brings a authentic authenticity to this movie and characters like making gray characters. Um, and it was kind of similar to what they were. I brought up like a bunch of directors in the seventies, like, like a Travis Bickle, you know, like the character Travis Bickle from taxi driver where he's, you know, uh, going to kill a senator, but he ends up stopping a prostitution ring. You know, it's like, it, they're just a bunch of like, that's kind of what the seventies were, were these like Renaissance men, like making these, showing these true characters. But I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because there, it brought some um, authenticity to it. So I think for me, I think my first favorite scene, that probably really set the tone for what the movie is. It's right after the, the locker room scene when the gym teacher takes Carrie to the, to the principal's office. And like he's like, you'd mentioned earlier, never learned her name was not really making eye contact with her. And then, um, he looks down at the gym teacher's shorts and she has a red mark on her pants from where Carrie's hand was, had been covered in blood and grabbed her. And he kind of, I don't know, grimaced or like, like, like he was grossed out and then proceeded to ignore Carrie still and then just write her a note and got her out of uh, gym class for a week. Like, did not want to acknowledge the fact of, like, what happened to this girl. Like, mentally, was she okay? Like, let's just sweep it under the rug. The gym teacher's going to deal with the kids. Let's forget this ever happened. Not necessarily, like, favorite scene, but I have to say favorite character was um, the high school girl with, glasses who later becomes uh the secretary in ferris bueller's day off (laughs) (laughs) those would be the things you're looking for well it's like you know i'm watching this movie when i i have a bad habit when i watch a movie if i think i recognize someone i'll stop and look it up because it it bothers me so much um it's okay i do that too well it's like pj souls was in a bunch of movies like halloween and a bunch of john carpenter stuff I was telling Travis before we started this, the um, uh, Carrie's mother reminds me of the Mista Mista lady from Happy Gilmore in the nineties. <laughs> Mista Mista. <laughs> He's like, did not Mista Mista lady? I think I just I killed her. Killed- <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, he like dumps the food on the hood, and he's Here, like, take this. leave us alone. <laughs> um. Kate, would you like me to go to yeah. give uh, one of my scenes? Mm-hmm. So I was texting you earlier. Um, I think like the the prom scene in this movie is one of the best. Like, and I I don't say this a lot, but like I really really mean it this time. I think this is. Uh, <laughs> I say this about like every one of the movies that I love, but I think this is one of the best scenes like ever put to film. Like in any in any film, um, we get the the famous De Palma split screen where he's kind of trying to he's finding himself you know during the making of this movie and you get that famous split screen uh the low spinning sort of warm eye view is what they call it uh, shots that have that dreamy filter over it um which kind of puts you in that like dreamy like kind of atmosphere all the while yeah that... i mean not to interrupt but no, just good. to speak to that style of shot so like you're talking about the scene where Carrie and Tommy are, you know, spinning on the dance oh, floor, yeah. you know, and, the and song... it's meant to make you like dizzy. Like she's kind mm. of like dizzy in love almost with him, you know, mm-hmm. and that the shot also makes you feel like you're a part of that kind of and it's a dizzy rush. falling it's like... in. 
yeah. you know. Anyway. And uh, the song, I Never Dreamed Someone Like You Could Love Someone Like Me. Just like very beautiful, like 70s pop era. Kind of like, you know, your dancing queen kind of stuff. Um, but that, that scene, man, is like so fucking heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like, I was literally like almost crying when we were watching it last night again. Because <laughs> it's like, Carrie's finally like, like she's becoming a woman. She's like conquering kind of her fears. Um, she's becoming prom queen. Like everything is going right. She's dancing. This guy is like, she's happy for once. Yeah. This guy is like literally like really making her feel like he's into her and he probably is. Um, and to have all that like stripped away and then she's just like, I'm going to kill everybody in here. Like mm-hmm. it's, that's the, that's like the truly scary part is that like she does kill the teacher and that's the part where like I would have been, I wouldn't have been pissed if she didn't kill the teacher, but I think killing the teacher like sends a message of like, this is like power that you don't understand. Like she's, yeah. she's like a fucking, she's it's, a monster now. It's untamed no one, and unchecked. Yeah. yeah. No, no one's safe. Yeah. Cause I had like a. Uh, when I realized what happened, I was like, oh, shit. Like, she took her out? Yeah. Like, I thought she'd be the one to make it of anybody in the room. Yeah, and then, like, the the choice to have you just hear the bucket and while everyone's, like, silently screaming and Carrie, the next th- shot you see is Carrie's eyes and, like, blood drenched. I think she's doing, like, one of these where she's putting her head over her hair. And um, when she starts, like, looking around and shutting the doors and it's making that psycho noise... And then the lights dim to red. That's when you're like, everyone in here is fucked and you all deserve it. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's you, and, scary as hell, and, man. Um, she, it's like everything's silent before that because um, you're kind of meant to be in Carrie's head for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you can hear muffled screams and things happening in the background, but it's almost silent otherwise. And all you hear is her mother saying, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. Um it's I, yeah, I, it's heartbreaking. I didn't think of it like that. When it's all silent, that's in her head. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't yeah. see it as that way. Yeah. Um and then you get like one of the coolest still frames I think ever. Um of her kind of bloodied silhouette. Oh yeah. You know, against all the fire in the background and she, as she like slow-mo walks out of the gym while everyone burns and screams behind her and oh, yeah. the, she walks out and slams those doors you know telekinetically <laughs> i also uh, think it's just so just like adding on to that striking. like it's it's brilliant the choice to not end it there because mm-hmm. it could have very ended it very well ended when she walks out the door and everybody burns alive but you take the time to because she's a complex character you see the good you see the bad she take she goes home bathes and just wants to be like cared for by her mother and her mother's like at this moment's in total batshit mode as you guys said mm-hmm. and uh gets her ass crucified for it <laughs> yeah she just wants to be held um mm-hmm. by her mom and like as a mom i have a three-year-old like the stupidest mm-hmm. shit upsets her and she just wants to be held like this is like a basic human urge uncontrollable and if you don't have a good mother like or you don't have a mother who has a shred of empathy <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it's just truly heartbreaking uh but it's yeah. also amazing like none of the other parents say anything either like mm-hmm. sue's parents like they know how crazy 
this lady is, but no one, no one says anything. Mm-hmm. And they don't, but they know enough to not let their daughter hang out with Carrie because her mom's like, "Come on over, Sue, come over to my house." And her, that's when the uh, Sue's mom gives her money to go away and yeah, it's like not this, come back, like the sins of the father um, affecting the you know son in this case, sins of the mother affect you know Carrie's life in this mm-hmm. community, like her, it's her a mom smaller is, town. Her mom's basically an outcast. Yeah, her mom's which, an outcast, and then therefore she is. You're right. Can I talk oh, about one scene? Go ahead. Um. <laughs> This is a highly parodied scene. This is, um, I can see your dirty pillows. Austin Powers. Oh uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I can see your dirty <laughs> pillows. Um, and I don't like this because it's like uh-huh. funny and then it's parodied a lot, but it's just a really fucked up scene. So Carrie's, you know, gotten dressed mm-hmm. um, for the prom in her little pink satin gown. Her boobs aren't even that out. She barely has any to begin with. Um, and yeah, her mom's saying, I can see your dirty pillows and everyone else, everyone will. And she's like, mom, there are breasts. Um, let's burn your dress and pray. And she's just <laughs> like, no, mama. Um, and then she's telling her that this guy's not going to come and get her for prom. And her mom starts like absolutely batshit. Like she starts hurting herself, like hitting herself mm-hmm. and pinching herself and pulling her hair. Like she's doing crazy, like physically damaging things to herself and begging Carrie to stay. Um, and that's where you get her saying like, they're going to laugh at you. Um, and that also is the same scene um, where after Carrie uses her telekinesis to hold her mom down physically mm-hmm. and stop her um, just showing that power shift. And then her mom being like, Oh, she th- like, she thinks she's going to take, you know, precedence over me and she's gonna like have this power over me now i like and this is a classic fucking crazy narcissist person too um to be like i i'd rather you i'd rather kill my own daughter Mm -hmm. than have you control me because i'm here to control you yeah it's like a massive it's a a very messed up scene it's a massive trigger warning like if anybody like grew up abusive childhood or whatever like a lot of these scenes like are pretty real Mm-hmm. Um, so Brian, let's uh, rate this film. Give it a out of five stars. How, what are your final thoughts on the film Carrie? I'd give it, I'd give it three and a half out of five. Right. Um, I thought it was a really good film. Uh, it took me a little while to actually like get into it, mm-hmm. um, but once I was, I you know I couldn't stop it. I you know I watched the whole thing straight through. Um, I enjoyed the film. I don't know if it's one I would watch multiple times, but mm-hmm. it might be a film that I would show someone that has never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. I'm glad I watched it. Um, you know, it's probably been on my list for a while mm-hmm. uh, to watch. And so I'm glad I finally got to it and share my thoughts here. So we'll keep on checking them off, man. Check off those De Palma flicks. Uh, Kate, what would you give Carrie out of five? <laughs> five out of five. It's a, I've watched it a lot of times. I find things to appreciate about it every time. Um, We'll watch it anytime anybody wants to watch it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love introducing it to people. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome either. Yeah, I think for that's me, one good yeah, thing about it's it. a lot of 70s movies are slow, slow burns, and they're like almost excruciating to kind of get through. Um, this isn't one of them, mm-hmm. um, and I just love this story. It's become like a classic mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, it's a classic film. There's got to be a five out of five for me. Um, it's one of my favorite King adaptations. 
Um, I think Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie are fucking amazing in this. Um, and yeah, Brian De Palma is one of my favorite filmmakers. So I got to give it a five out of five. Um, yeah, we should have warned you that we're like super fans of this film. Before. Yeah. It's, all good. it's yeah. all good. You know, that's, that, that's I fair. I like that I, you are true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to be peer pressured into giving <laughs> you a high score. Well, Brian, thank you for joining us. This has been a blast. It's always a blast sitting down and talking with you about film, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, Producer Kate, as always, thank you um, for showing up tonight. And uh, we will join you next week with... I'm going to give a little preview. So we have another King coming up in the near future. But first, we're tackling High Tension. We're probably going to do a review of Black Phone. And we're going to tackle The Mist as well. Another Stephen King story. Um, so that's all coming up on horrifying my friends. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at horrifying my friends and on Facebook and Instagram at horrifying my friends. I said that backwards and on Twitter at horrifying MF, uh, hit me a line at capped creature on Twitter and at capped creature on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> that'll be all. Bye. Have a spooky week. Fine, my friends.